In today's episode of Surf Splendor, we bring you a conversation with the limber, graceful, and innovative goofy-footed pro surfer who inspired and partially defined my personal surfing identity in the mid-90s through the early 2000s. He pioneered the alley-oop and the backflip. He ranked sixth place on the world tour in 1999, just before quietly turning away from pro surfing. But those are just the bullet points. For the full details, we will let him break it down himself. Welcome to Surf Splendor. I'm your host, David Scales, and this is my conversation with pro surfer turned musician, Timmy Curran. So are we going with Timmy or Tim nowadays? I don't know, Tim. I, Timmy was more so for like the music because yeah. of uh, Tom Curran and, and uh, trademarks and all that stuff. It was... I don't know. I, easier to differentiate. Easier, yeah, to get it through. So, and then I'm okay with both. Both, but okay. Last week, or maybe it was a little more than last week, Surfline posted that oh, best yeah. ten best most pivotal aerials of all time feature. Yeah. And you were ranked number three, the alley oop. They did it kind of chronologically. It yeah. wasn't like yeah, an yeah. importance ranking. Yeah. But almost the following day, Kelly stomped that 540. Yeah. Let me get your thoughts on the 540. Uh, I was blown away. I think uh, it's Kelly is uh, always stealing the thunder from everyone, and yeah. and I remember Nathaniel texted me. He's like, "Hey, did you see Kelly's 540?" Yeah, and I'm like, "No, where?" And he's like, "Just Google it." And so I googled it and saw it, and I was like, "Wow!" You know, it was just yeah. uh, I don't know. It just it's so inspiring to see him at his age, which yeah. isn't old, but just doing stuff like that and pioneering stuff pioneer yeah pioneer, not only in contests right but, but aerials i mean he's one of the greatest aerial surfers as well yeah and uh i know the last four years watching him in the contest the one he did in new york he's doing just all these amazing airs so it's really inspiring for guys like myself that love doing airs as well and just going okay well maybe yeah if i can keep surfing and there's always that chance to come up with something new or do well, the best of your life in your 40s. There was um, debate about 540 versus 720, and Kelly yeah. even called it an 810, which huh. I was surprised that huh. he was claiming that. But what was your take on the uh, rotation? Was it a 540 to you, or what do you think? I don't know. I thought it was like a One Air and a 360 and a half. Yeah, because you landed be halfway back. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think 540 it was. Yeah, I would say so too. Um you're responsible or credited for pioneering a couple things. I mean, the alley-oop would be one, and then a proper flip would be the other. Um, we'll break down both of them, but can you kind of talk me through that alley-oop? Like when you, I guess they, Surfline, referred to it as being like 1994 or five, I think. Yeah. Um, wow, was man. there anybody else doing it at that time, or where did you see it, or how did that even come into your mind? It was just watching. No, I I didn't see anyone doing them, and I was I was watching actually uh, just skateboarders on half pipes. Okay. And you know they were doing kind of like that move like um, quite a bit. Whatever I was watching, I'm like, oh my gosh, I think you could do that surfing. And so I remember I went out and tried, you know, a hundred of them. And then one day I was out there surfing. It was really windy and it's horrible. And I was with Dan Malloy, and uh, I was talking about it, and I ended up pulling one off, and I was like oh my gosh, like, you know, 
I think that was somewhat of a new maneuver. Yeah. And, was there uh, a camera on the beach? No cameras. Okay. We were just surfing. Got it. And uh, and then I remember just after that, Chris Malloy introduced me to Taylor Steele, and they were just at the end of filming for Focus. And, oh, okay. And Taylor's like, sure, you want to try to get in the movie? Come down and go to San Diego. And and I was like, oh my gosh, if I could just pull this one all oop, like I might get in the movie, you know? And so I filmed surfing and... and uh, I, I tried so many and it was kind of in the last couple of days where he's like, dude, it's, it's coming down to the wire, you know? And he saw me going for him and stuff. Yeah. And so he's like, that would be great if you pulled one. And then, um, yeah. And you stomped was one? Able to, yeah, pull one off. And it wasn't a big one. It was, you know, it was just, but I, I pulled it and I was yeah. excited. And I think that maneuver got me pretty much in that film because it was like the ending Piece yeah. or something. I don't know. So, where'd the name come from? Have I, wow, it's been so long. I have no idea. Okay. Did you name? <laughs> I don't it, even though, think or? I named it. No. Okay. No. Interesting. Yeah. That I didn't know that story. That like that was your kind of um, icing on the cake that was going to get you into the film. Yeah, that was. That's it was interesting. Definitely, he was like, because it ended up becoming such an important film. Yeah, you know? yeah, and it's just crazy how. Uh, how much just being in that film just kind of launched my career. It was like all these new sponsors and. So did you have any sponsors at the time? Um, like he's like. Well, I had Bi- yeah, I had Billabong. Okay. Um, I just got sponsored by Billabong, and then I had a couple. I you know, um, the Crystal Surfboards and right. Casey sponsored me since I was just a little kid. You know, right. I, think I was like eleven or something. So. Yeah, because that's a commitment to think like come down to San Diego and spend time contributing to this thing that video that yeah. you don't know is going to become a pivotal yeah. video well and you're and 16 or 17 at the time i was uh i think it's 16 or 17 yeah but i watched momentum okay. momentum one momentum two like every day before i surfed yeah. so i knew all about taylor Steele and all the guys and so that was another thing is it was just like fast forward into like surfing with and hanging out with all your heroes yeah. in the sport, you know, and um, I was I was thinking about that too. Like your trajectory of surf stardom was a very short period of time. It yeah. feels like you kind of got thrust into it. Yeah. What was it like to be able to hang out with? I mean, who were you looking up to at the time? Uh, I mean, it was Kelly, Rob, and and Shane, and I felt like it was like so quick because and. Benji and all, you know, just watching the Momentum yeah. movie, it was just like all Conan Hayes and right. just all the guys. And it was like, boom, because the last month of filming, um, Taylor's like, you can come stay at my parents' house. I'm like, what? That's amazing. So I yeah. like, stayed at their house for a month and Benji was there and everyone's trying to get their last minute clips. Right. So I was just going, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm surfing with all these guys. And I remember... Um, I don't know. It was early meeting Shane and and uh, those guys too. I think they were in town. I was just like, this is this is wild. Yeah, you know? it was out of this world. Never would have dreamt it. What do you think are the pitfalls? I mean, to be thrust into the limelight with a lot of success early on, and I think pretty quickly there you transitioned from Billabong to Quicksilver, which was reported to be a pretty significant contract, yeah. especially at the time. What? I mean, what were their obligate? What was your obligation to Quicksilver? Did they require you to compete, or was there travel obligation, video part obligation, and then what are the stresses that come with that? 
you know? Yeah. Um, well, I think thinking back, I don't remember if they wanted me or required me to do contests. Um, I think because I grew up doing the NSSAs and then doing the little PSAAs, because I started doing those. I think my first PSAA was right be right before I turned 16. So I was 15 and, um, I, I loved it. I loved doing contests. And so it was kind of just, I guess maybe not in the contract, but we both knew that I wanted to do contests, right. do photo trips and, and travel. And I know, um, Kelly actually called my dad when I, you know, and just was like, Hey, you know, Quicksilver, you know, wants to sponsor Tim. And I'm like seeing it. And this was before I met Kelly. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, my dad's talking to Kelly Slater on the phone right now, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> About you. Out there. yeah. And I think my dad even like went in the room, shut the door. Cause he's like, I can't have you like hanging on me. Yeah. Like trying to overhear. But, uh, um, it was pretty cool that, you know, Kelly would call my dad and be like, Hey, you know, I remember when Nike was trying to sign Jordy Smith, they yeah. had like, Tiger Woods, I think, called Jordy to try to convince him to sign <laughs> yeah, with them instead yeah. of O'Neal. Was that kind of the same thing? Yeah, yeah, it worked. It worked because yeah. it was right after that. You know, they they said, you know, we'll give you a three-year deal and, you know, we'll send you on some trips. And I almost feel like it was, it was, uh, it's hard going back on the timeline, but, you know, I went on that trip to Chopu with Kelly and Tom Carroll. I think that was right after I signed with Quicksilver and that's another thing just going really i'm going on a trip tom carroll my dad was a huge fan of tom carroll tom carroll had like you know tom carroll short form it was like kelly slater black and white right and so we'd watch that all the time before even kelly you know yeah before i even knew who kelly was and so i'm like wow tom carroll kelly slater this is like the you know, and craziest opportunity to go to Chopu. But which, Chopu wasn't really exposed No, I think there was point. only one other trip. Um, There's a, a magazine, I think it was Surfer cover of someone in a huge barrel there yeah. right before we went. And I remember we were on the plane and Kelly's like, hey, did you see the cover of this wave we're going to? I'm like, no. And I, I don't, I think he must have had it in his backpack. He's all, here it is. I was like, oh my gosh, that looks crazy. You know, yeah. it just like, looked like pipe. And so when we got there, uh, it was a whole different story. I've never surfed a wave like that in my life. How big was it? It only got to maybe six to eight feet. But I mean, six to eight feet out there, if you're not used to it, it was very intimidating and shallow and getting washed over the reef and just, you know, out of your element. It's just... I remember that trip in the magazines. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the first time I had ever seen that wave. And they were... I don't even know if they really called it Chopu. They were calling it the end of, end the, of the road. End of the road, yeah. In that feature. Yeah. And I don't even know. I'm trying to think like it was probably, yeah, it was probably closer to six feet. It, it, you know, there wasn't the, um, but whatever, a couple bigger sets. Yeah. Enough to be like, wow, this wave's intense, you know. Did you get any good ones? Yeah, I got a couple fun ones. Cool. And uh, it was a blast hanging out. And then seeing, I'd never surfed with Kelly before, so seeing him surf in person and just, it was like nothing to him, you right. know. He was just like toying with the waves, and I'm out there just going, "Oh man, trying, trying to, survive, to survive," you know. And Kelly's, you know, surfing like it, like he does now, you know, just um, fearless. And then Tom Carroll is obviously fearless. So. Yeah. Uh, Looking back on that trip, you were 17 or so at the time. Yeah. Um, given those opportunities, was it empowering to you as a young professional surfer, or was there 
I don't know, was it intimidating? And what are, like, kind of back to the original question, what are the pitfalls of that? Yeah, I, th- yeah I think just being there with them, uh, yeah, it was kind of instant pressure in regards to, like, wow, these guys are on a whole nother level. Like, yeah. I'm only 17, and, yeah, performing in front of, you know, cameramen and all that mm-hmm. for that movie, and just, it's like, whoa, this isn't just cruising. It was, you know, I guess that's... Because I'm competitive, I'm, I'm like, I want to, you know, have a great part and, yeah. you know, um, hopefully make Quicksilver happy. And so, yeah, there was, there was definitely some pressures yeah. that instantly came with being with Quicksilver and right. that crew. Um, just backing up, I guess, slightly to the Billabong days, you always had that PS on your boards. Oh, yeah, preschool. Uh, what was that? Well, it was just because there was like the old school, the new school, which was like Kelly. And then we, we were Kalani, Dan Malloy, Saxon, okay. Cody Steele. Um, we were all, oh, we're the preschool, you know? Got which it. was like the tail end. That's and then I feel like now I'm like lost because I wasn't, you know, Kalani was in momentum. And then I think Dan was too. And then there was me. And then there's, you know, the Andy and Taj. And I'm like, wait. I'm like the one guy. Yeah. I don't know where I fit. <laughs> You're in the Montessori school. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I don't, I'm not a part of any school, I guess. Um, I didn't see the PS, or I don't remember seeing it on their boards. Okay. I just remember your boards yeah. specifically. Yeah. I had, uh, I, I tried to find it last night before coming here, but I couldn't. But I had Here and Now, okay. that profile yeah. video that yeah. you did. Yeah. And I loved it. Oh, it was cool. awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Um, I feel like there's certain surfers that just surf their wave so incredibly well. Like you watch um, Clay Marzo at some of those lefts that he surfs in Maui and it's like nobody else surfs it the way that he does. He's just in tune. Yeah. And you surfing the strand, I feel like is that same way, you know, like nobody I ever saw prior surfed it as well. Got such draining left barrels that you got, <laughs> and then really nobody since. I mean, Dane serves it well in his own way. Bobby, kind of similarly to you, I guess, a little bit. But you just picked off closeouts essentially, you know, <laughs> and made them. Oh, so I always thought nice. that was really cool. Thank you. Um, there was another filmmaker kind of from that era that I was just curious what happened to. I think Kozo Productions. Oh, Marshall. Yeah. Marshall, that's right. Marshall, totally. He did like What Now and What yeah, Next yeah. and all that. He moved to San Francisco. He did like two movies and then moved away. And oh, okay. Just, I think he's a teacher and just disappeared. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. Like I liked those movies yeah, at yeah. the time and then he was just gone. Yeah, you know? yeah. We talked kind of about the alley-oop. Yeah. Let's talk about that backflip. Um you stomped a backflip. Uh, the first one I remember seeing was Rocky Point 2005. Yeah, was yeah. that kind of the first yeah. one? And is there a video of it or just photos? Just that photo, yeah. No, okay. it was like a horrible day at Rocky Point. And I think there was like five guys out. Okay. And the wind was howling, which is good for those. Yeah. And then um, I'd been going from a ton before that. Um, and then landed that one and obviously landed it and then didn't like ride out without my hands on it so it was like in debate if it was a fully pulled flip you know yeah and then so but i was like i'm gonna ride on that that was that was really fun you know sure so uh and then i think it was like a couple years after that i did that one at emma wood that was kind of like a flip twist i don't know also Um, on a small day right small Small day That day was sheet glass, which was... I was oh, it was. Yeah, there was okay. no wind that day. Um, and then uh, 
And yeah, that was the next one that I like rode out of. And it was, uh, I wish the angle, cause it was like shooting into it. I wish I could see it from the straight on angle okay. just to see like how it looked, you know, cause the angle was kind of odd mm-hmm. looking into it. So, um, but yeah, I feel like I got lucky. On do you, are you, do you feel properly credited with being the first one to stomp a back backflip? Uh, I don't know. I I feel like, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel slighted? I should say. I don't know. I feel like it was. It was. Uh, I don't know. I guess if if it was not exactly straight upside down, it, it would. I don't know. It's kind of. I, I guess it's kind of one of those things where. Um. I don't know. I don't know who. Who gets it? Flynn does amazing right. backflips, and they're, he's done like fifty of them. So, but um, even that, I feel like people want to write off for some reason, and may, it might be because he named it after himself. People yeah. can criticize that a little bit. Yeah, but he may not have named it after himself. Maybe not. Though, yeah, because I think a lot of times people come up with it. You know, I don't. I don't know if he came up with it, but right. I, all I know is that we we all were going. For him, yeah, all around the same time because in in Hawaii he was like going for him as well yeah. that year, so it's like we were all going for him and yeah. he's done some huge ones and a lot better than mine, yeah. And um, it just happened that the one photograph and then the I don't know, mm-hmm. I guess it's yeah. I there's been certain things in surfing that they're a, a blip on the radar that people kind of notice the blip but yeah. then just move past it and it seems to not be discussed yeah like um julian wilson sushi roll or whatever that was you know and it's like if anybody did that today it would be huge news but it was done 10 years ago and it almost just gets the superman yeah that's that's right i was just thinking about that last night i'm like oh my gosh the superman is a radical maneuver in surfing i remember troy brooks yeah doing the superman yeah and then even Jordy doing you know the competition. You know who the first person I ever saw do a Superman no. is? I started trying him. I just never pulled one. It's Christian Fletcher. Really? This is way before anyone. It's on video. Um, this Dean Hoskins, he's a great water mm-hmm. photographer from around here. He has it from behind. Christian goes for like a Superman. If, so, where was he surfing? Um, I... I don't know where he was surfing. I just remember I was at his house. He's like, you ought to see Christians trying these Superman things. I'm like, no way. What year do you think this was? This was, this was, I don't know. It was probably two years before someone pulled one. Troy Brooks. I don't know who it was. Like late 90s, mid 90s maybe? Yeah. Interesting. You probably get it if Dean has the footage, but it's pretty cool. Did he ever publish the footage? Nope. Because he didn't pull it. So oh, it was, and okay. it was from behind, but he, he does, he goes Got for it. the move, you know? And so yeah, yeah. I know, I know on that one, he definitely, uh, was the first one. Crazy. So, yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, so with your flip, it's like, you're the first blip on the radar. Then I think Flynn stomped a number of them and that kind of yeah. became something. Yeah. And then Gabriel did a few yeah. more recently. Yeah. And so those are kind of the three main I don't know, spikes that I remember in the evolution of the backflip. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, that first one was quite a bit before anybody had it on video. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, we were all like, man, that was was pretty darn close, you know? So, um, I don't know. I just, all I got to say is Flynn does amazing. Oh, yeah. And we were all going from around the same time. And 
it doesn't matter who gets the credit or not. Sure. I just, I, my whole thing is being a part of that um, thing on Surfline. Um, I could pick 20 guys that should be on there ahead of me. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Who? Um, I don't know. Uh, who stands out to you? Archie. Um, there's just, there's all the Santa Cruz guys that are just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, Davey Smith mm-hmm. from Santa Barbara. He was doing airs before anyone. Um, shaping or, now, right? What's that? Shape, shaping yeah, now. Yeah. Channel Islands. Yeah. Um, yeah. Barney does some radical weird El Rolo. You know, just, I, don't, I like guys that are just doing some weird, cool stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's just, there's a lot of guys that inspire me that, should have been on that right ahead of me so i know it's always interesting to read the comment sections on articles like yeah, that because yeah. everybody has their own personal experiences and, yeah but i mean yeah. they can't really do a comprehensive <laughs> you know yeah. it'd be like a hundred pages yeah long. for sure so fact that i got a little spot on there i'm honored yeah, yeah. it was definitely really cool so from that era with all those Taylor Steele trips and stuff, was there any trip um, that stands out to you now, kind of in hindsight, that you hold in fond memory? Yeah, the billable that I went on to Tavarua with Shane Ross, Joel Tudor, Gerlach. Um, it's my favorite poster of all time, dude. Oh, the that, one where oh. you're at Cloud Break <laughs> with your with the wax in your mouth. Yeah, that's oh, thanks. So that that trip was like that was like another launch to the career and just surfing with those guys and it was pretty big that day right and just seeing fear the shane like broke half his board off and was catching waves with half a board shut up yeah and just at calibre yeah and he was probably on like a boogie board and he was like taking off on waves on half a board and it was the big day too and i'm just like dude shane's nuts you know and um pat was there yeah there it was just like a good group of guys and um, was that your first big trip? Yeah. yeah. And that, that, that will like probably be one of the greatest trips from, for me in all, of all time. Just mm. really good ways, good times. And then just getting to watch all those guys surf that they were on a whole nother le- level. Right. You know, so, yeah, that, um, again, that poster at the time for me was just like the ultimate, you know, like <laughs> the ultimate dream wave, the ultimate ecstasy where you're just like yeah. arms out. Well, you know, what's funny is I get, Tom Survey was there, and he he was Kalani was there either right before, or right after, and we we're I don't remember exactly, but I think maybe Kalani was there right before me, and he had a hands out, and so then I did a hands out. Oh, okay. But where I got it was from there's a cover of Kelly and like the Caribbean on this wave, and he's in the barrel, and his hands are like touching both sides, his arms are out like this, hmm. and that was quite a quite a bit before the Tavarua trip and I just always remember I just want to be in a barrel and have my hands out like and not touching anything yeah. you know and so it's just funny all these little things that happen come from something else previously you know? yeah did didn't you have a bar of wax in your mouth too in that yeah shot, I think or was I, that, a different that was shot? a different shot oh, I had okay. another one where I was waxing my board and then a wave came right. and I didn't have time so I just put wax in my mouth yeah I've done that too yeah and then it sticks in your yeah. teeth sometimes <laughs> when I kind of reflect on that time in my life it was all surf video, you know, prior yeah. to DVD, obviously. Yeah. And it's like I cherished those videos yeah. so much because I'd have to save 30 bucks to buy them, you yeah. know, and just replayed them over <laughs> yeah. and over. And it was prior to the Internet. Yeah. And so I feel like the experience of just 
ingesting surf content was more impactful yeah because you had to pay yeah. for it yeah there was less of it and um and kind of as a result of that you memorized all these sections you know yeah. and, and part of that was music selection yeah and i remember there is i think it was a 311 song in here and now okay yeah do, do you remember the music yeah. uh, it's been a while okay <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to find it again but um i didn't and I don't have VA, VCR anyways. <laughs> yeah. But I think there was this one 311 song that was just like synonymous with yeah. that. And then in um, Taylor Steele's Good Times, I remember it was an unwritten law song, yeah. Falling Down. Yeah. Which I thought was poetic because you'd be doing these laybacks where you're actually <laughs> playing down. Yeah, I know that song. I know that, that one's in my head. It was almost intentional. Yeah. Like the song is falling down and you're doing the layback and getting back up. Yeah. You know? My point is just that music... Um, played such an important role in these sections, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I'm curious about your transition kind of from surfing into music and now, or I mean, you have d actually collaborated with Taylor, yeah. crafted music that is then used yeah. in the surfing seg segment of the movie. Talk about that transition into music for you. Um, well, yeah, I, I was always playing music. I always had a guitar on my lap traveling just because I grew up with it. Okay. Um, my dad plays guitar. My uncle has a little... I think he has two independent albums out sounds like james taylor and so um yeah it was it was just kind of strumming and then um after when i was 28 is when i sang and wrote a song that actually my brother and my my wife liked and i was like really you like this and then once once i wrote that i was like i'm gonna write up 10 more you hmm. know and where were you at in your surf career at 28 uh it was kind of toward the end okay. well that that my my um kind of off subject but my surf career kind of ended early because I was really sick and all the guys that I traveled with knew I was always sick and it was it was got really really bad at 28 and I quit the tour halfway to Africa when I was on my way I was on the CT which is so hard to make and mm -hmm. I didn't know I was like do I have cancer am I dying what's going on like and it exactly. I've had it since I was a little kid so come to find out after I quit the tour and all that, that I had celiacs. So I'm allergic to gluten wheat. Right. So it was kind of a bummer because I wish I could go back and surf on tour feeling a little 100%. bit. hundred percent. Yeah. Cause I was, I was sick and it, I felt like it was thankfully cause even though I quit the tour, <clears throat> I found out a couple months after I quit the tour what it was. Yeah. And I was so fried from being sick all those years. I'm like, I just can't, really travel as much anymore i'm just i need a break yeah and so um hindsight i wish i could have went back and went hey i want to apply for a wild card this is what i had but you don't you know you're not i'm like oh whatever maybe i'll try getting back which is impossible to get back on it's so sure. hard you know so uh then i started doing the music and it kind of took my mind off the competition and you know and then played some shows and stuff and then got to collaborate with Taylor on on um what sipping jet streams and um castles in the sky castles in the sky yeah, yeah. And, um so that was really cool it's so random to be playing music for cuz the same thing you know I yeah. was a huge fan of all the music he chose and well let me let me backtrack cuz I did kind of brush over some stuff you were on the CT for 6 years was it no I was only on the CT for 3 oh okay and I was on the qualifying tour for combined four or five years okay and the highest was ranking was 19 sixth, yeah 1999 I think so, sixth yeah. place yeah. i think was yeah. the highest ranking on the ct so substantial i mean that's a short period of time but you did really well on it um 
I had only recently, when I was researching this, read about you having the celiacs. Yeah. Were you, I mean, was that something that progressively got worse or were you miserable the entire time or what was kind of the evolution of that? I was miserable the, the whole time. Really? Was, yeah, because I had it since I was, a, say, junior high oh, on. Okay. Like, it just started coming on. I didn't know what it was. And so I was pretty miserable. Like, a lot of my friends know, you know, I'd be a night before... A heat and just being like, I'm so sick. I'm gonna just have pasta with butter or pizza with just like barely any cheese. Like I just need, and that was like making me ten times as sick. So I'd wake up the next morning even sicker, and I just, you know, I just, I lived on Imodium and Pepto and yeah. Advil because it was just like such painful stomach issues. Wow. So. um yeah, I was sick, and yeah. a lot of my friends would be like, "Oh yeah," <laughs> like yeah. Dan Malloy the other day. He's all. You have celiacs. I just read a book. You have celiacs, huh? I'm like, yeah, it's all, all those years. Oh my gosh. Wow. So, When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So were you, I mean, I would assume that would contribute to feeling burnout and homesick and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, and anxiety and all, because I didn't, you know, you don't know, getting on planes and feeling sick. I was like claustrophobic. I just like, right. I was tripping for yeah. so many years. Wow. Tra traveling was really hard for me. Just if you're sick, Oh yeah. I mean, getting on a plane and being stuck in a plane for 15 hours and it was, it was freaky. Yeah. You know? So, so that really sidelined yeah. the whole professional yeah. pursuit. Yeah. Um, so you were, you talked about being raised around music. What kind of stuff was your dad playing when you were growing up in the house? Neil Young. Okay. James Taylor. It was just like those two. Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Awesome. So lots of finger picking and. Um, yeah. My dad had a nylon string, a classical guitar, and so it was just I, for some. None of my brothers really played that that, that much at all, and for I just I loved it. You know, it's just yeah. one of those things where you just pick up it. And was your dad actually like into playing? Was he? Talented? Yeah, he'd play a lot and sing, and yeah, um, and uh, but not not on, like pursuing it as anything. Sure. It was more just um, the current side. There's eight, and it's a big family, and every like. Everyone plays music, sings like our 
um, all of our Thanksgiving and right. it's like a hoot nanny. Like there's straight up <laughs> drums, sound system, like PA. It's really? like yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, so it's cool. it's really fun. So I grew up in it. Grew up listening to those to like that folk style yeah. of yeah. singer songwriter guitar yeah. and percussion. Yeah, and then I as the old, older I got, then I you know started really liking Ben Harper. And, okay, and and then Jack was so early on and that was freaky because that was like so unique at the time and just like what is this sound it's amazing you know? what about you're talking about jack johnson yeah what about him was unique i don't know just like his strumming to me was okay. like unique and just the way he was like it was lots of words and just hmm. i don't know cool it was what's really cool is that through the surf industry you have kind of direct access to a small part of the music business. You yeah. Know, with guys like that are very successful, but yeah. they're, they're still tied to surfing. In yeah. Some way. Yeah. It's, it's cool. And how that, yeah, it was fun to watch that, you know, cause yeah. I think everyone wanted him to like blow up, you know, and it, and they, they did. did real quick. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't believe how quickly Jack Johnson blew up. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, it, was, it was cool to see. Yeah. So. Um, so you kind of, how did stop? I mean, I understand uh, being involved with a guitar because it was around your house. How did uh, you get involved in songwriting? You talked um, about how, writing a song and then sharing it with your wife and your brother. And yeah, well, I did that for probably five years, and they're like, Ugh, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> oh, bad, 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 bad. And then I was in Japan and I wrote a song and I came back and played it. And I, I have tons of journals and I love writing. Oh, okay. So, um, I. Yeah, it was just, I wrote, even though they were horrible, I wrote lots of songs before that one that um, my family actually liked. Did that song ever get published? Did yeah, it's called If I Only Had a Way. Okay. And um, yeah, kind of then it set me off. And then I went to Brazil and it rained the whole time. So we were in our um, hotel. I think I was staying with Kelly actually. And, uh, or hang, yeah, we were hanging on that trip and I'd just be in my room just playing and go eat and go back and just play. And I think I wrote a, like Horses on the Range and a song called Joan and wrote a couple of songs on that trip. So I'm like, oh, that was a... So when they click, they click. And mm-hmm. then if they don't, you, you ain't got nothing. Can you talk about your kind of process for writing? Um, mine is I go out in the garage or in a room when no, you know, where it's just quiet and I'll just start playing first. And I feel like usually for me, like the chords I choose are, it's kind of like the mood I'm in. Mm. So if I'm, you know, deep thought, then they're just maybe like darker. And then if I'm kind of like, everything's good, then they're kind of like lighter, happier chords. Yeah. And then I'll just kind of, you know, I'll have nothing I'm even thinking about. And then I'll just, then, then it's, for me, it's like almost the chords like will bring up, um, ideas of what to write about you know like okay mm-hmm. well these are happy so i'll write about this or or that and then um it's been a while i've actually been trying to write for the last couple years like sporadically like a couple hours here and there and i'm just like well it's just like before i started just nothing cool or is coming out so do you feel like being on the road during those years and struggling and being away from home maybe yeah gave you brought up content. a lot of like emotions and just yeah i just maybe and then now with i feel like uh you know having kids and being home it's it's way more crazy just at home now because i'm just you know working and kids and functions and that where i'm like i can't when i go to slow down i'm like i don't even know what to write about right now right like chaos you know right. and uh 
So, but it's not the music thing. I took a break just because once we had Lily and Oliver, and I was done with the bar scene and doing all that, um, and just needed a break. So, I'm it's coming back. So Is I'm it? getting excited to put out another. I want to put out a solo acoustic album. Okay. I you say that and then you go into the studio and your friend starts doing something da 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 and then it's all of a sudden it's like a full album. But okay. I started with the acoustic Sitsuka, which was six songs acoustic, and I'm like I gotta do go back to that and just do something really like raw and. Why was that your favorite album or? No, I just think it's I think it's when I think of artists that I like I I just want more solo acoustic stuff and I think if there's people who do like any of my music that. I feel like it's just like as raw and intimate as it gets. Mm-hmm. And I don't even, I've thought about not even going into a studio, just like straight off my iPhone in the bathroom, something mm-hmm. really raw. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> That's some of my favorite stuff with Jack is just on mini disc players and all that. Really? Just, I don't know. Feels more vulnerable. Yeah. Or... Yeah. That, I would think, um, that would be kind of one of the biggest stumbling blocks in kind of getting into music would be that sharing your vulnerability because the writing is, it has to come from a true place in order for it to resonate with the listener. For sure, for sure. But at the same time, sharing that stuff feels very vulnerable. Yeah. Um, Was that challenging at all? Um, Well, yeah, yeah. And I think too, I'm so... I'm so insecure about like my voice and all that. Or you're just like, oh man, imperfections and like, go. So, you know, I, I never like did it to go play. Sure. You know, I just did it because I loved it. And then, then you know, things kind of just like, oh, can you play a show? I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. And so, but now going back, I'm you're just like, oh, that it is hard because I'm like, I want to put out just raw. That's like in my head. That's that's cool to share that with people. But then I'm like, oh, that might be kind of gnarly, yeah. you know? <laughs> it could be, but I think you're uh, that. I think you're you have an accurate assessment of kind of what people would want to hear from you yeah they would prefer something like that they're not looking for the polished produced radio hit for sure it's like i want to hear bob dylan's bootleg album more (laughs) than i want to hear a studio album. for sure for sure along those lines i know when you kind of started producing albums your objective was to give them away for free yeah was that that i just i was so blown away that that opportunity came for that anyone liked one of my songs. Oh, okay. And so I was just like, what? This is like the coolest thing ever that people actually are asking about my music, you know? Cause Were they people affiliated with surfing, do you think? or Yeah, in the surf industry, but people who, who kind of, I don't know, were honest with me. Were, you know, were just like, oh, like, I think that's cool. You know, mm-hmm. can I share this? And I'm like, sure, it's weird if you yeah. want to share it, but <laughs> sure. And so I think it just kind of, I put that little acoustic thing out and then got to go tour with the Foo Fighters for a month and right. all these cre- and I was like just I just keep it going have fun and I want to just share it and if people like it and I know there's the whole thing where like oh if you put it for free then it's going to be like cheap and people are going to say it sucks and I'm like well who cares because I never thought I'd do this anyways mm-hmm. and so I did that for a couple albums and then um once I, once I made a couple albums and I was like, man, I'm like kind of spending a lot of money, you know, even doing indie with like Todd Hannigan and that, I mean, there's just costs. So then I was sure. like, it'd be nice to just get my money back what I put into it. So it was hard to do it after like the 
third album. Yeah. So, but not to say I'll never do them again. And that's another reason why I thought like doing them on my on something that I could just share them for free and doesn't cost any money is cool because maybe right. the next one's free too. Right. So I just I think the free thing was just thankful to be doing it and it wasn't all about just trying to get all serious and that's I think for me too is like no pressure because you know I just came off the tour and I didn't want I don't want all this pressure of having to perform because I I don't I on to be honest I don't like like performing in front really? of people yeah like I, I stress about it all the way up until the show I'm like freaked out and then I'm on stage and I'm like don't forget your lyrics don't are you you know you're oh that was maybe out of key and yeah. you know like the whole and I'm like after I'm like I didn't have fun doing that you know really? it wasn't like that rad so even after the fact you don't have a high off of it you have a high I have a high but but it's I feel like it's different for me versus other like Donovan oh, okay. he just was meant to be on stage he's meant to be up there just jamming out and just you know yeah did you feel that same performance anxiety surfing competitively no well I overthink I, I feel like the last bit of my career, I, I was overthinking everything. Yeah. So I was doing the weirdest stuff and a lot of my heats just over the top bottom turns, leaving me like behind. So I'm just doing whitewash climbs the whole way. To, like, <laughs> look at they're all three. Like, wow, I didn't do anything on that wave. But uh, yeah, I think I, I felt like, yeah, I guess I'm, I overthink things a lot. Okay. Even Nathaniel's like, do you overthink? You just, I, you overthink stuff too much. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I do that but then surfing there's a different like when I'm surfing and free surfing especially or surfing um, if I'm videoing it's different I feel like more excited more confident and because I've been doing it since I was a little kid and mm -hmm. it's totally different with that I'm not insecure surfing right you know but contests when I'm at the pressure of making heats and yeah. making sponsors happy and all that you just start doing weird stuff yeah it's weird just yeah. putting the jersey on yeah it's like a mind yeah trip. yeah you talked about touring with the Foo Fighters for a period um what are your highlights musically that was incredible because I'm a huge fan of Foo Fighters and I don't know who's not how did that opportunity on. come about Rick DeVoe um, knows um, their manager and then knows Chris Shiflett and then it was you know I put out the Sitsuka thing EP and then um, right then they were planning their acoustic tour mm -hmm. and they didn't have any opening acts yet and Rick's like dude dude gotta let's do you care if I give it and I'm like oh sure and then he's like I think you got some dates I'm like no way I never played with the band before I went out oh. with them so I was I was like I'm not going out by myself like I probably should have something because I didn't know what how acoustic they were gonna be and then all of a sudden these oh they're bringing like orchestra it's gonna be and I'm like oh gosh so we practiced for one month before we went out on that trip and I mean my time like never playing with drums really yeah um was stressful you know yeah. like practicing and then was, was it in Europe. The tour? It was it was from Vancouver to San Diego, oh. and then we went and played the Sydney Opera House, which was probably the greatest so far. Getting to play in there and all the sounds bouncing off the walls, and you're right in the middle, so you can't even. There's you're getting all these sounds, so mm. then when you're singing, you're like I. It's throwing off, you know, the the um, electric guitar and, or the other guitar and all this stuff. It was actually hard to hear and yeah, sing in tune. 
did you get to spend a lot of time with Dave Grohl and the more after party? They'd be like, come back to the after party and come cool. to this hotel. We're having a party here. Da da da. And he he was beyond out of his way. He'd come, you know, come into our uh, dressing room with his newborn baby and bring his wife in. And he was like really really cool. Was the whole he? band was cool. So yeah, it was just like it's on. You know, awesome. it was. They weren't like in their little space. Like no one talked to us. It was like. sick you know like it was it was it was cool he seems like nice intelligent charismatic generous like he seems awesome yeah yeah i have a funny story at the end of the tour i'm like i just i'm so thankful that this all happened so i wrote him like this just thank you like no you know yeah and so it was uh last night in uh, at the opera house and we uh he he was running around and it was probably like 12 at night and then and i saw him like hey dave and he's like what's up and i'm like i wrote you a letter and and I, as i said it it was like coming out of my of my mouth i'm like i wrote you a letter and he like looks at me with this weird look and he's like huh i'm like uh a th- thank you letter it was like the most awkward because you know he's like a goof off you know yeah. and he was just like oh man uh cool or whatever <laughs> i was like that was the last time i saw him you oh, know i was like right. handing him like a love letter right um, yeah read it later yeah, just don't, like I saw, don't open oh it oh my gosh but it was just really it was funny how it all ended just yeah totally. i'm still like you never a fan heard awkward fan right, just going right. dude thanks for this opportunity never heard from him after he read that letter no I ruined it. No, it was it was seriously like, hey, thanks so much sure. for the opportunity. I had a good time. That's awesome. So. What about? I know um, one of your songs was featured in Charlie's Angels, the TV show. Oh yeah. You've had some. I mean, you've had yeah. some awesome opportunities. I yeah. another thing I saw was on NPR did a little feature with Damien Bashir, which is a well respected actor, and he was talking about three tracks that have influenced him. Uh-huh. And one of the tracks that he mentioned was yours, and one oh, of the wow. other ones was Radiohead's wow. "Creep." You yeah, know? wow. So I mean, you've been lumped in with some really important stuff over the years. Yeah. Was there any? Was there ever any? Um, I don't know moments where people were fans of your music that you were shocked by. Yeah, I have a funny story. Um, um, I was at a Malibu contest, probably four years ago, and. Some guy comes up to me and and uh, he's all he had a, like a little round hat on and he's all hey I like your music and I was like oh thanks so much and we talked for a little bit and and uh, he's like and I'm and he's like I'm Giovanni I'm like I've met you. I'm like I know you like we're friends I've met you before he's like no we haven't met and he's talking and I'm, and then he was just you know we talked for probably twenty minutes and I'm just tripping out the whole time I'm like I know this guy you know and so. I go up and I'm like getting a thing at the little snack bar and um, he walks up and as he's walking over to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like, I'm a huge fan. He's an actor. It's Giovanni Ribisi and he's been in like a ton of like really? rad movies. And so just... Um, That's amazing. Yeah, just... And then there's been some other guys that are actors as well that have like came to a show and you're just like, what is that guy doing here? Or, Any... Um, did you play with uh, Ray Manzarek from The Doors? Oh yeah, or it was um, it was uh, no, Robbie it Robbie Krieger. Yep, yeah. yeah. Right. We uh, I played a private party just a little bit ago, and 
Um, I have a funny one about him. So I was like sound checking. We had a wedding right after that, so I didn't even get to stay and watch them play. Oh, okay. And so I'm sound checking, and then um, um, one of my friends comes. He's like, "Hey, Rob wants to talk to you, or say hi, and wants to meet you." And he's so stoked that you use this, the music. And I was like, "Wait, use the music?" And and my buddy Kyle, who makes all like our films, his board blogs and all that, he. Uh, Riders of the Storm or whatever, um, used that song for a session we had at Little Rincon. I remember that video. Yeah, and I was like... Used it in a surf video. Yeah, and I was like, oh, shoot. Like, am I in trouble right now? You know, right. so he comes up and he's like, hey, man. He's like, that's so cool how you use that song. He's like, I watched that. And I'm like, what? You watched that video on my wow. site? You know, so it was cool. And That's awesome. And uh, yeah, it was, it was cool meeting him. Any frightening moments in music? I mean, you talked about a little bit of stage fright. Is that the extent of it, or is there... Oh, I had one. I had one. Um, Jesse Billauer had a Life Rolls On benefit okay. in Long Beach at a big old theater, and Jason Mraz played. Oh, wow. And um, I remember we went and ate and then got back there, and then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm like oh my gosh, I think I got food poisoning. And so they're like, all right, five minutes till you go on. And I was like oh my gosh it's coming on now and I just like ran to the bathroom I was like in the bathroom for like up until and like where are you I'm like I'll be out and then I came out and I remember just going okay I I had a short set because there was a lot of people playing and I think it was like 20 minutes and I was like 20 minutes like this could be gnarly like on stage and I remember I just walked out and it was just like sold out you know and I was like Oh gosh, I don't like playing. I remember just like playing, just go and so my stomach was like, right. and I'm like, this could be bad on stage, you know. But I'm like, worse. I'll power it. I don't even care. And then um, got through the set, and then right after, I was just like puking my brains out, like really gnarly food poisoning. And but you I'm made like, it, made it through, barely, just barely. Yeah. But that would have been just so bad on stage if it was just like you couldn't hold it, yeah. you know? It's just like... Gnarly. I think it was like a double-ender, too, so that would have been bad. That would have been on YouTube <laughs> yeah. the next day for sure. Uh, uh, do you have any musical career ambitions that you haven't yet achieved? I mean, what's your end goal? Or Just put out more albums. And, okay. and I don't... I, I mean, like I said, if you're... If you're uh, you know, we're... we're smaller you know so we're you're playing bars and I, I i like i do like the intimate i don't like the bar scene like sure. our music doesn't fit i'm like get a dj and pump the music up and mm-hmm. we're not like a dance band or anything so um i think just putting out more music and then just playing just kind of pick and choosing hopefully cool little spaces or venues to play do you have any ambition to um you know, put out an album and then tour it around the world and spend time on the road and nurturing it like that. I don't think so. I mean, some I, if if I if if you wrote a song that like went nuts or something, it's a different story. And, and um, but I think there's there's you know I sometimes I get excited like to open up for people. I think yeah. that's fun. You know, like I'm a big fan of Ben Howard. And to open up for him would be cool. I'm like, mm-hmm. don't even, you know, pay me just to like be there and play like like similar genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, there's certain bands that I'm like, oh, it'd be so sick to open for 
you know, all these different bands. Who, who else do you enjoy? Uh, who's, who else? Like Ben Harper to okay. open like on an acoustic thing, open up for him. Yeah. Would be really cool. And, yeah. um, it'd give you access to cool venues too. Yeah. Like the Hollywood yeah. Bowl yeah. or something. You yeah. Know? It's like getting, getting out of bars and yeah. know, the, just the bar scene. Yeah. I don't know. Don't get me wrong. Some, some of my fam- favorite shows of all time have been where I played an acoustic show at a surf shop. Mm. And it's just like, it's just quiet. You know, it's got kids and parents and it's just like so intimate. You can tell stories and right. you don't feel rushed or yeah. it's just that. I, I really like the tiny little intimate shows as well. Right. It's all about... Although I am self-conscious. Yeah, sure. <laughs> all the time. Um... Any upcoming shows? I know you've got one at the Belly Up in Solana yeah, Beach. Yeah, for Rob's benefit yeah. on November 11th or 10th. So Let me ask you, you mentioned your brothers a couple of times. Um, I follow like Nathaniel and Taylor's career a uh-huh. little bit, uh-huh. and they're both ripping. What's going on with Josh? I remember he had a little yeah. bit of a surf career yeah. back in the day. He's just such a mellow cruiser, and then... Um, I think he he had an opportunity to get into the studios. He works for Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's worked there almost like since it started. In what capacity? Uh, he he bit. It's kind of random, but he he's in charge of like the stages for bands. So he oh okay moves them, and he does a lot more. But like that's you know when they do the outdoor mm-hmm. shows, he's in all that. So awesome. Yeah, and then um. <clears throat> Nathaniel seems like he's been doing the QS thing for a while yeah, now. Yeah, he just needs a sponsor. And now he's doing that O'Neill contest coming up. Is he not he, on Alpine anymore? He's not on Alpine. And it's hard to travel with, obviously, no yeah. main sponsor. But I, I know he still wants to do it. But obviously, the older you get and you got to have results pop in, you know. So I feel like he surfs as well as anybody else, especially... I mean, over the course of the last five years or so, there was moments where he was kind of right on the brink. Yeah. And it, it, I don't know if it just comes down to luck at certain times or things going your way because he was as good as guys who were qualifying. He just yeah. didn't quite push through. Yeah, I think, I think he's, he's a great surfer. Just had some bad, yeah, just bad, those heats where I felt like he, he was right there and then the year after he fell off the tour and like two after, it was like, He'd need the weird years where like you need a two, you need a three. You can't get all these like little tiny mm-hmm. scores. Or then he'd surf against someone to get two nines. And yeah. Like, what? Yeah. So He's, watching it's frustrating for us, just being like, oh my gosh, you yeah. Know? And what is is Taylor's ambition to qualify as no, well? No, t- Taylor's I think just more free surfing and yeah and videos um, pieces here and there. Cool. Yeah. If you were to get a wild card into the CT event next yeah. year, let's say 2015, which yeah. event would you want it to be at? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Assuming the waves are pumping at whatever the event venue is. Oh, that's a tough question because Tavarua would be insane, and then uh, and then Trestles just to oh really yeah have some air you know that's yeah. such a good air wave yeah and watching the guys now it's like i feel like before i try to do lots of turns and stuff because it was like kind of i don't now it's like you could just i would just go for airs the whole time 
you know because like they John's, score yeah, yeah nowadays they're like oh my gosh right that's all i'd be doing so yeah. um how actively do you follow competitive surfing nowadays i follow yeah i just i go back i don't i don't have time with the kids and stuff but i'll go back and do the um heat on demand yeah and then just watch the guys that i think are fun to watch who who are those guys for you now john john jordy um julian kelly every, obviously everyone in kelly's heats and uh oh yeah and obviously uh gabriel who's your pick this year for the title Oh, that's I'm torn too. Kelly's won a hundred world yeah. titles. It'd be it'd be really cool for Brazil to have a their first world champion, and he's like it for me. He's really exciting. So mm-hmm. I mean, you're cool with that. I'm I'm cool with it. But yeah. Kelly, I mean Kelly's my my boy. So it'd be a comeback after doing a five forty. That's a that's that'd another trick question. See, I feel like and mixed grade as well. But totally, I feel like. Kelly is always my hero, but I almost think that if Gabriel were to win, that would propel Kelly to do more, to surf next year in the, yeah. in the CT yeah. and to continue competing. Yeah. Whereas if he just wins 12, he can kind of like retire on top, move forward with his retirement yeah. career. Yeah, that's a, that's a thing. It's like, oh so. shoot, we don't want him to win because then he's done. Yeah. So yeah, I think it'll be good more for motivation And lose. for Brazil. Yeah. They're, it's cool. Let's, it's it's kind of rad seeing mm-hmm. Rob uh, or not Rob Ross Williams in the commentary. Booth yeah, yeah. With the he's ASPs. hilarious too. I mean, in real life, is like, he hanging out with him? He's like one of the funniest humans alive. So it's cool. He has so much knowledge, and he's he's really serious on it. Mm-hmm. So, but it's good to see your buddy up there. But he's you know, good at it. He's, he's really good. Yeah, he's smart. Yeah, he's insightful. It's like yeah, it's he, good. I really enjoyed his presence this yeah. year. A lot of those guys that you named. I mean, Conan, you referred to, he was involved in starting Ruka. Yeah. The Malloy brothers have had a lot of success kind of doing filmmaking. Yeah. And Taylor Steele, obviously, has yeah. gone on to do really successful films. Kelly and Shane, still at the elite level of surfing. Yeah. So many of those guys, there's a high percentage of like tremendous success with what they've done in their lives. Yeah. What do you attribute that to? Like This core group of people who have all gone on to do really important things in the world? Um, I just think it's just, you know, um, for all those guys, they're very focused. They love what they do. And uh, they're very creative, too. I feel okay. like um, just their creativity and, um, I don't know, I, I think, you know, I've spent so many hours with Taylor Steele and even Chris Malloy and just kind of like their their books and their journals and just all this stuff they're constantly going just like you know reading and and i feel um once they get into something that they think is very interesting they want to share it with everyone Mm. and then um they are obviously inspired by a lot of other people where for some people uh, you know myself i'll get caught up in something and not have the time to do you know a project like they're doing on such a big level but uh and then kelly and shane i just think those two are so competitive and they're like phenomenons like they're just so amazing mm-hmm. you know with kelly and then shane is just fearless and competitive right so he's like pushing the limits of you know himself and everyone right you know you're just like oh man shane be safe out there you know, know. you're a madman yeah so uh yeah, it's it's fun 
you know, it's fun to be able to watch Chris and Taylor make these amazing films and then go into things outside of surfing right. and Kelly and, and Shane just push the limits and they're still going strong at their age. And I, I don't know how many more years they have, five, 10, you know, I, was I would like, have said that five and 10 years ago too. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm like, I don't know, maybe Kelly's going to be on the CT till he's 60. What are your thoughts about that? I mean, now he's uh, obviously lining up retirement, let's say, careers like Outer Known and Perps and stuff like that, which I'm wondering how much that has actually distracted him from the world title pursuit. He doesn't seem to be as focused as in the past. Um, What are your thoughts? What's your inside info on Kelly's mindset and where he's going? Oh, I don't know. I think... think it's hard. I, I, I haven't hung out with Kelly in a while. See him here and there, you know, surf strand, I think last year. And it's just like these little, like, Hey, it's going to be good. Yeah. It's going to be good. You know, yeah. we'll hang out for a little bit and he's gone, but, um, he's definitely, uh, he's a smart guy. And I think, you know, he's, he has a lot of smart people surrounding him. So I think he's going to be very successful for whenever sure. he decides I have no idea when do, that will be. Do you think that he will, let's just say next year, stay on the tour, compete again next year? I have no idea. Yeah. Like, I mean, if he, if he. Do you think he knows, or does he take it year by year and month by month? Or. Well, I feel like he's been doing that for the last ten years, where it's like, I uh, he he's just gonna do Kira, right? Yeah, you know, and then he's gonna play it by ear. Right. That's it's been that way for like ten years, and then he'll do the whole year and win a world title. Or right. That's the way he pitches it, but I'm wondering if in the back of his mind he knows he's going to grind it out until he gets beat out of the 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 title race or something. Yeah, you know? I don't know. It's just a, it's he he must it must be hard for him because he's like you know always in the hunt like he's always mm-hmm. right there for the title and then now he's probably like oh shoot I just did this 540 so I'm leading the charge in aerial yeah. surfing i probably got another 10 years left right. in me to be on tour you know yeah you may be confused <laughs> yeah it's interesting um closing question for everybody interviewed is what was the last surfboard that you rode wow alaya <laughs> really <laughs> yeah nalu um my friends from up in san Luis shaped me um, an Alaya, and then they actually made ten for all the guys in Union Express. Um, oh, okay. But Emma Wood, when it's south south swell and sheet glass, it's like a long little left, and mm-hmm. that thing just goes like a mile. Really? Yeah, and it's it's so fun. How so, how big is it? It's uh, probably five five ten maybe. Hmm. Yeah, that's funny. That was the last board. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't think of you as riding anything other than <clears throat> shortboards. Like it's like Machado's gotten onto like a whole kick where he's yeah. hardly riding shortboards. And, yeah. But I feel like you're always on like the high performance shortboard. You know, I haven't yeah. seen a lot of you. Yeah, I, I, I've just the last year. Usually it's when it's like beautiful, and I would never surf because it's too small, mm. and it gets me in the water because it's like a really good workout pattern and those things right. drowning. Right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, but I do ride usually shortboards. Right. I'm not, I don't know. I get, <laughs> I get bored. <laughs> right. Um, is there anything else that we can have?
Timmy Curran currently resides in Ventura, California with his wife and kids where he still surfs regularly. You can follow him on Facebook for updates about upcoming shows and also just check out his website, timmycurran.com. That's actually where I found a lot of my material in preparation for today's show. I think it'd only be appropriate for Timmy to play us out of today's show. And I found a great acoustic version of that song that Timmy discussed uh, first writing and sharing with his wife and his brother. Um, I found that acoustic version on Timmy's website and it's produced by his good friend, Kyle McLennan. So I'll play that for you in a moment. And um, you should also check out more of Kyle's work because he documents a lot of the surf scene up in Ventura County. A lot of really good quality videos with the Kern brothers and others. So before we get to that, I just wanted to let you know that if you're new to Surf Splendor, everything that we discussed in today's show, including videos, imagery, the backflips, the groundbreaking alley-oops, all of that stuff, plus links to Timmy's music, uh, including the three tracks that we used in this episode, it's all available on our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com. We have an archive of every episode of Surf Splendor, including interviews with Dan Malloy, Sean Thompson, Mickey Munoz, and many others. Everything is available for free. You can listen on our website or any popular podcasting app like iTunes or Stitcher. Those podcasting apps are a great place to listen just because all you have to do is click the subscribe button and new episodes will automatically be downloaded so you'll never miss a show. Also, make sure to rate and review the show if you listen in iTunes or Stitcher. That helps our little show be found by others. And of course, that's the only way for us to grow. We simply produce the content, but we rely on you to distribute it. If you like the show, tell a friend. I'm sure some of your friends are curious what Timmy's been up to. Post the link to this episode on their Facebook wall. Tag a friend in one of our Instagrams. The more expansive our reach is, the more enticing it will be for guys like Timmy to spend an hour of their valuable time chatting with me for our show. More listeners means better guests. So simple as that. Share the show. We'll keep producing it. Thank you so much. That's it for business. I'm going to let Timmy play us out. I'll be back next week with an all-new episode of Surf News. Until then, this is David Scales for Surf Splendor saying thank you for listening. Ciao. And thanks for the interview, Timmy. This song's called If I Finally Had Away, and I wrote this song in Japan. I got home, and I showed my wife and my family, and they actually liked it, and that was after 10 years of writing songs that uh, no one actually liked. So... Uh, uh, start off my little music venture. I think I wrote about 50 songs within a week after them liking a song. So never stop uh, doing what you love. <laughs>